0: All righty, let's get it! Let's get it! Above approach online church, Father Yahweh, I thank you for gathering my brothers and sisters and I to worship and fellowship you tonight. I thank you, Lord Yeshua, for your gift of salvation. And I thank you, Father Yahweh, for your grace and mercy that is upon each and every one of our lives. And I thank you for putting fresh air in our lungs. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would be with us in this call. Although we do know and we believe that you're always with us. We, and we ask that you would also be there for those who are not on this call, Lord. I ask that you would move through this time and speak to us whatever it is on your heart. And whatever it is that you are wanting to... um. Wanted to edify us tonight. We thank you and we give you all the praise and honor equally. glory. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, buddy.
2: Rabbi L says, God bless our time. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, because you're here, Rabbi That's right. With my dog in the background and my son discontent. What's up, buddy? Are you just bored? Do you want to go on the trampoline?
1: You sh- What?
2: I can't. I can be here with you. Teddy would love to be around with you. We are in Hebrews chapter two. Question mark. I'm always I bookmark it, and I'm still not sure because I'm going through Hebrews in two other places in my life, so I don't know where we specifically are on Thursdays. But I'm learning a lot in Hebrews myself. So if anyone remembers, uh, Cindy said verse ten. All right. All right. Yeah, I do remember talking about Jesus tasting. Oh man. Death for everyone. All right. Well, DJ, I did say that you could read. So, uh DJ, what I need you to do, buddy. I'm going to post it right here so you can read the whole thing. I need you to read Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 through 18. <coughs> ah. <laughs> I
3: okay, it's I'm not, not all there. When I get to fifteen, I, when I get hey, to you fifteen, out. you're gonna have to repost it again.
1: I'm
2: gonna do this.
0: Oh, oh, oh. Get off my <gasps>
2: There you go. You got all the scriptures right there,
4: buddy. Okay, ready? Go for it.
3: Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will, for it was not to the angels of God subjected to the world of come of which we are speaking it has been testified somewhere what is man that you are that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him you made him for a little a little lower than the than the angels you have crowned him with glory and honor putting everything in your subjection under his feet now in putting everything in subjection to him he left nothing outside his control at present we do not ye- not yet see everything in subjection to him but we see him who for a little while who was made lower than the angels namely jesus crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering death the suffering of death so that by by the grace of god he he might taste for everyone for it was fitting that he who f- he for whom and by whom all these all things exist in bringing many sons to god to go- many sons to glory should make the so should make the founder of their salvation and perfect through suffering for who, for he who sacrifices and those who are sacrificed, all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, "I will not tell. I will. I will tell you. I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of your con- of your congregation." I will sing your praise, and again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I I am the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share flesh, blood, him, he himself likewise partook, same things that through death uh, he might destroy the one who has power of death, that is the devil. For surely it is not angels that hel- he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, and to make his pra- to make his prop- propitiation. For the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted.
2: Amen, DJ. Thank you. Great chapter. We're going to back it up to verse 10. And if you guys are new, uh, just go ahead and, if you have a question, a comment, just raise your hand, Uh, which means in the little embedded text chat, in the top right corner of the screen, you usually just put up a hand emoji or just put raise hand and that'll tell us that you have something to share so we can have order and everyone gets their turn. So Hebrews chapter two, verse 10, starting there, it says, for it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist. So we have to figure out who is the person for whom and by whom everything exists. And then in bringing many sons to glory, he should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Perfect through suffering. So many questions. Um, but does anyone want to comment just on that verse and how it fits into the surrounding context of chapter 2? Jesus uh, tasting death for everyone. Thank you, buddy, for feeding Teddy. Um, and making it possible for us to become children of God. You know, that becomes the argument that we can be children because he's tasted death as one of us. So the argument goes like this, he became one of us so that we could become who he is as the resurrected, perfect human in the sight of God. He gives us that identity. So um, there's a lot of connections, but I want to hear your guys' thoughts. Then the whole concept of being crowned with glory through the, the suffering of death is very important as well.
1: Good stuff, a lot of gold in this. So I want to hear from you guys. And good job again, DJ. That whole chapter, you did a great job. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I see people typing. Free indeed. Let's go, Johnny.
2: How you doing? Good evening, brother.
5: Yeah, good evening. Um, When I hear that, that sentence that you just recited from Hebrews 2, it reminds me of John chapter 1. Uh, verses 1 down to verses of uh, verse 14, where it says in the beginning was the Word, and that obviously harkens back to Genesis, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? Spoke light into existence, all the animals, plants, insects, bacteria, everything, right? And then he made humans in his image, male and female. Um, let us make humanity in our own image, right? And it makes me think how Jesus is the one who created all
1: of this. And if you aren't well... Johnny, you cut out. You said, if you're... And then it just went blank. (laughs) Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. Come on, guys, cheer him on. You might not have service. Ken, we're on Hebrews 2, verse 10. Let's go, Johnny. You got this, Johnny?
5: Yes. I should have enough signal now, but maybe not. I don't know.
1: There he is. Yep, we can hear you. Go for
2: it. All
5: right, praise God. All right. I was going to say, if you're not acquainted with the Bible's theology on the creation account, it was Jesus himself who made everything. And, you know, we, we see that in the Bible, you know, and it's like, when Hebrews is talking about all things were made, it's like it's it's like kind of like makes me think that we were all made for His enjoyment in eternity, you know. So His His death and His suffering on the cross that makes a way when there is no way for sinful humanity to be reconciled back to the Father. Well, He made us for His glory, and He's not going
1: to just let us slip out of His hands. That's right. I don't know if you purposely muted yourself or
2: if service cut out, but. That's a great place to end or continue depending on
1: where you're at. Anyone else have thoughts, questions? Um Ellen Bagano.
2: I think that's how you say your username. Uh so do Gentiles like some of us count as children of Abraham? Austin. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, especially when you get to verse 12 that's going to become very evident in fact i uh I've been hearing not as much lately, but at least in the last year, I've heard this argument quite a bit that you know salvation was only for the Jews, God has that chosen people and doesn't invite the Gentiles into the New covenant the way Jews are invited in, and God's focus is on the israelites and and then I came across zechariah two eleven through twelve where it actually says that every nation. Not the Jews from every nation only, but every nation, every tribe, every people will be a part of this kingdom. So, yes, we can all be children of Abraham through faith. And it's, it's mind-blowing when you think about it. You know, I say that, and sometimes that, be, that can become so familiar to me that it, it loses its its power. We Gentiles um strangers to the covenant and everything we can become we can become grafted into the family of god like we were always a part of his family there's no awkward like you
1: haven't been
2: been here from the beginning you know it's it's as if you've always been there because christ makes that possible
5: yeah i was going to chime in with it says that for those who believe so faith right saved by grace through faith but who believed and received jesus that's that's where the adoption into sonship comes in, right? According to the scriptures. So, and and moreover, I think which is super duper important to touch base on is um, the the parable that uh, that is given, where it's like the father is having a, a wedding feast, and he sends servants to go invite the invitees, and then they're like, one bought a piece of land, he's like, I can't come, I got to go look at it. One's like, I just got married, and they have all these excuses. The servants return back to the to the uh, to the father of the king, and he says, "We'll go to the highways and the byways, and you know my house will not be empty for the celebration. Go and invite whoever will come in and so that's what it feels like. It feels a lot like you know we're the people who uh are are taking up the invitation for those who could care less
2: exactly right. There's lots of parables that reflect that that main idea of people turning their back on the message or invitation, and God extends it to others who won't you know. Uh, When it says, verse 10, it was fitting that essentially God should make the founder of our salvation perfect through suffering. Um, One question I have is, why is that fitting? That Jesus, through suffering, would become the founder of our salvation, would become perfect through that self-sacrificial death? Um, Like in the mind of the author, that's like the most appropriate thing. It's fitting uh, as it relates to verse nine and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um what do you guys think. Why is why could he say something like that? Daniel, I know you weren't thinking of answering that question, but you can share whatever it is that was on your heart.
6: Yeah, no, man. <laughs> exactly. Like, you no, know, I wasn't literally uh it, it still relates, but um Um I guess what I was thinking about was I guess in First Corinthians fifteen where it talks about um, God made man, the, uh, the the first Adam, and the second Adam, and uh, the first Adam a, a life being, um, sorry, a, a human, basically a living being, and then the second um, Adam a life-giving spirit. And I was just seeing that with the correlation of when you're talking about being fitting that, that Jesus basically should suffer and come in and, you know, subjected to, Everything of this existence, this is the again, this always comes back to the mercy and the love of God that we are brought into. um, How the way that his first plan was for all humanity to have partaken of the tree of life and his will will be done, and that for for humanity to be reconciled, that you know, we're all all of the first Adam, and so therefore, for man to be for God's redemption plan, he would have to come. You know, it um, didn't have to, but he chose to in love because um, his will will be done and he's sovereign over all things. And he will, no matter what we do, he will reconcile this because that's part of who he is. Um, his plan will be done. And to be for us to be a life, to be be part of, um, I guess, his nature and his family, we have to be his life source and we have to be joined with him. And our spirits need to be made alive and 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 for us to have eternity and salvation he must be. He must be with man again. So I, I was just seeing all that connection, and so this is why he has to then come into this and be subjected to everything and the sin, and ultimately death, and 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 heal that and fix that and redeem it and destroy it because he is greater and take away the keys of death from Satan, and um and give us that life. So I was just seeing all that 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 life and become of the second Adam and a life part of the uh, his eternal life source and be part of his family in that space. So I was just seeing that's why it's fitting for God. Right? even it's, a, it's, it's crazy language saying it was fitting because it's not like we're saying you have to do that for us, God. But no, his love and his, his, his nature and his mercy and all these things, that's why it's fitting because of who God's character is and his plan, it is fitting that way that he will come and, and make himself a man. And, and it's the only way that we can be reconciled back to him. So you could go on trying to talk about that for a while, but I, I just thought that, that's what I was seeing in that space. Um, and, yeah, so to be sanctified, in other words, we he has to become part of us to actually induce that sanctification back into man again and overcome it um, on the cross that, as we know. So that was what I was trying to – I was seeing in that space before you asked the question. <laughs> oh,
2: man, that is so good. And you make mix- – a bunch of good points the one that stuck out to me was just that you know pretty much yeah god doesn't have to it's not that god should it just makes sense that he did that's the difference it's not hey he should have we deserve it we're entitled it's no that yeah. is that's actually the most appropriate thing we've seen consistent with his character that makes sense when we think about who our god is you know it's fitting and then you have this this pause and he the author doesn't have to describe God in this way, but he does to emphasize something. He says, uh, the one for whom and by whom all things exist. And and you wonder why he pauses. He almost takes a breath to gather himself, and then he goes on, but he, he pauses to really emphasize who God is as it relates to what he does for us. And so th- there's something about the way God is the one that all things exist for, God is the one by whom everything exists, that God brings many sons and daughters to glory through what he calls a fitting sacrificial death by his son's part. And so one question I have is, you know, how does that, um, that description of God uh, relate to what he's saying about us coming into glory? He could have just said, yeah, God uh, made the founder of our salvation perfect through suffering, but there's a specific description that he's the one everything exists for, and he's the one who sustains all things. And I just want you guys to meditate on that and think through that. Um, Any thoughts? um, Anything that stands out to you? Because that's something worth meditating
1: on. And just in that point there, it's
6: it's perfection already prior to everything by by him through all things were made for him and through him and by him. So you're showing that perfection had to be then subjected to such. I guess which is a contrast, not anymore. It's almost like it doesn't. it's foreign. So you're you're talking. This is what you're bringing it up here. This is why the author says it in senses. How could perfection be subjected to this? It's almost like doesn't make sense in a way to our minds but in order for sons for us to receive the glory perfection has to come into corruption it has to be so imperishable so it can be, it can be risen imperishable and this is that hope that's so deep in that in what you're that's what you're i think you i'm seeing in there anyway
2: absolutely and i, I was asking not because i know because i actually want to know i want to hear your guys' thoughts and that perfection It's was like what well, uh imperfect an imperfect being can't produce something perfect. It's not yeah. consistent with its nature. So if God is going to perfect and make something perfect, uh, he himself has to be that. And so God being the one who holds all things together is the one for whom all things exist. You find that he's the purpose of all things. He's the, he's the one who upholds all things. That God brings us to glory um, and is able to do so uh because he upholds the whole universe so you wonder how a god can how this god can m- make us children through the suffering of his 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 loving son's death and it's because he's definitely capable looking out at the universe at what he's capable of he could do that uh he's very powerful and then you take that powerful sovereign you know um uh, god who upholds all things and he subjected himself to human suffering. That's where that's where the disconnect often ends up being for us going, hmm, yeah, I don't think if I had all power to do anything I wanted, I would subject myself to death at the hands of my own creation. I probably wouldn't do that. And that's why he's holy. That's why he's different, um, because he does that. In order that we might become perfect with his son, and maybe that's another follow-up question is, what does it mean that Jesus is actually, you know, the founder of our salvation is made perfect through suffering? Because, you know, he is perfect. I thought he's, he's never changing. He's the same yesterday, today, forevermore. So how could Jesus, or in what way does he become perfect? You know, is that morally? Is that spiritually what's going on there? I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. But first I'll get to Christian. He's patiently waiting with his hands up. Go ahead, Christian. What happened to your giant hand? I, I really loved that, that giant hand used to drop in the chat. Can we bring that back, Christian? Just that mega hand always made me laugh. Go ahead, buddy.
0: Uh, let's see. I was just trying to organize but I saw it. Despite the last study, I feel like now that on the podcast, too, I feel like I confused the heck out of everyone because my... Bray was utterly scrambled. So I'm gonna do my best to make it simple uh and agree with the point that you're making as well. Daniel, Dano, you don't mind reading your for me, please.
1: Yeah.
2: Christian, what was that? I didn't...
0: No, I was just asking Dado to, to like your mic for a second so I can Oh sure. Oh yeah, there we go. Okay, thank you. Um, so, I agree with like you saying that uh, we can't really do anything to make ourselves perfect. It's actually only because of uh, Christ that we are made perfect in Him. And it makes me think a lot about the fruit of the Spirit, which is is in galatians five twenty two to twenty three and by our personal faith in Christ in our Lord Yeshua he through his holy spirit it produces the fruit of of well he makes us holy he makes us holy by the indwelling of his holy spirit and by His Holy Spirit, we have the attributes, the nature, and the perfect nature and the characteristics of Him, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And uh, I, I think to get to, like, your question, it's that it's like God Somehow, supernaturally, does that in a work, in a work, transformation, like it says in Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-five to twenty-seven. I do believe where he takes out that heart of stone that it's hardened to the things, to the things of God, to obey His word, and uh, and. I guess in a sense, uh, doing his will—he replaces that hard heart of stone and replaces it with a heart of flesh, which is more receptive to the Holy Spirit and more receptive to doing and willing to do His will and more in I guess yielding to do what we fit him every day. Um although you know, I can correct me on this. So I think I think it's just trusting in his handy work and it's not by our own selves because if we I think somewhere in lips or making a Galatians it says it talks about like the law that brings for death but the law by the but lift by the spirit, um I guess we're not bound at all. I think um it's so like in sense that because of his spirit we are not like uh I know. Sorry but here it is. Um I guess I guess really it's just trusting in his sanctifying the work and by trusting in his Holy Spirit that we are freed and not bound to um, the law of sin and death, which it's like, I guess import, imports a burden onto us. I don't know, maybe that's kind of you something to work with. That's, I, I think, all that I got.
1: Yeah, thanks for sharing, buddy. Someone asked, oh, it's Mr. Mark. Some weird
2: guy named Mr. Mark says, <laughs> what is the question? The question was, "Uh, I, at least the second question that we're currently answering, uh, was in Hebrews 2.10. Mr. Mark, if you're not working out, maybe you can hear me. Uh, it's about how this, the the children of God are brought to glory, right? And then the emphasis is on God being the one that all things exist for and the one that sustains all things and how that description of God actually connects to us being made sons and daughters of God, how that you know description of God relates to Jesus being made perfect through suffering. There's that question. And then there's the, hey, kind of a sub question. What does it mean that Jesus was made perfect through suffering? Uh, so Joshua had
1: his hand up. I get to Joshua. Good evening, brother. Go ahead. Joshua, are you there, buddy? I don't think you're coming through if you're talking.
4: Are you there, Joshua?
2: There he is. Go ahead.
4: Sorry about that. Mic problems. Um, so this word perfect, I'm putting it in the chat think about the thing Jesus said before he died. It is finished. Um, So I think that ties in here. Um, He he had to become like us in order to suffer, to pay the price for our sins. That's one part of it that I see there is... um, And then back to the question before that, um, and it ties in with what Christian was saying a bit, is um, my mind isn't um, wanting to articulate right now, so hopefully you can just put it together with this. Um, It just made me think of Ephesians 2, where it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not... Your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And then this next part is important, like the why, the why behind it. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So it's... (laughs) I guess in short, it's it's all for his glory. It's so that we can become like him. So that the the glory of this temple will be greater than the last, greater than the glory that even Adam and Eve had. Um and part of that is through suffering, through the knowledge of good and evil and being sanctified apart from the evil.
1: Um it just makes for a
4: a much more glorious temple and there's more I could get into, but we will touch on it later um
1: in the chapter oh. yeah i like i like that you um and
2: then I'll get to Daniel. I like that you brought up the the Greek word that's translated perfect, Joshua because that that's. I think the clearest picture of what it means that jesus uh you know is made perfect in hebrews is this is this idea of completion it's this idea of full you know like like you put in the chat consummation it's a it's a fulfillment consecration to the to the fullest um it's all these ideas of yeah, all it's saying is that he completed our salvation this very simple way of saying that he was made perfect is Through death, he came up into new life, which sealed, completed, finished our salvation in him. And then he goes to the right hand of the Father. And then the other dimensions of that, you know, are are finalized as well as as our high priest. And so that is um, very, yeah, very insightful. Daniel, go ahead, brother.
6: You took the words right out of my mouth, Um, in a way, because I was going to say about Connected it to the high priest and a representation for humanity um, to actually go in there on our behalf and to complete that salvation so a, that's the very link when you talk about as guys are mentioning there that completion to be made perfect it's almost you know Jesus had to become everything that we are so that means jumping into our sin and and, and perfecting that through his righteousness his holiness and his everything his nature and 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 resisting temptation, all these things we see. And as you, as we pointed out, then um after he finished his work, he um he made that sacrifice at once for all he for Christian or you know, paid for sin basically. Um and then he's raised and he's seated at the right hand of the Father until his father will make all enemies under his feet. And I'm I was just gonna add to what that sort of you were saying what I was saying there, but what I was Seeing their ways as, as believers and followers, the Father is, is pleading, making the enemies under His feet in love return back to sort of This relationship of care and giving to each other, right? And so, our founder, our salvation is, is something that's going to be completed for us, not by any of the works that we're doing, and by grace you've been saved through faith. So, you know, we cannot um, deal with faith. And if we seek him, we must believe that he exists and we must, or that, that scripture in Hebrews eleven six, 6, I think it is. And it, it's and we expect to have those rewards. So, you know, um, that's not our own doing, it's his doing. So he's completing salvation for us, even this is the already but not yet nature of our life now once we've received his spirit and, and that everyone's talking about we've received that life, that sanctification, we've received him, his, that's how he can call us brothers, which the scripture goes on to say in the next verse. He's in every way because he's now become one of us and completed what we couldn't do for us. And they see it up there and now it's gonna, it's, it's playing out. And it's playing out in our lives in sanctification until we receive a heavenly body.
1: Oh man, that, that is such a perfect way of explaining it. Especially you bring in verse 11 the
2: concept of being sanctified that that plays into the what you might call the Jesus going uh, you know into, into the grave coming out into new life, that perfection completion kind of process. It, it, it refers to sanctification, not in terms of Jesus becoming holy or transforming, but the set apartness of Jesus. Um, because if you read verse 11, it says, "He who sanctifies, and that's the Father." And those who are sanctified, or I guess the son rather, sorry, for he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why, that is why he's not ashamed to call them brothers. Just like you said, Daniel, that, and this isn't like common language, at least in, in, in most churches that, that Jesus would call us brothers and, and sisters. Cause we almost think, oh no, no, like he's, he's on another level and he is but he brings us to the level of his resurrected humanity and right standing with the Father to the degree that we have the equal standing as sons and daughters with him in the sight of the Father. This is not saying we're gods. This is saying that that sanctification process called suffering into death, into new life, that process is what makes a way for us to be set apart with him. So because he set himself apart unto the will of the Father, that perfect completion uh, enables us to be set apart with him as brothers and sisters. So this is not us, like you said, Daniel, uh, doing anything to accomplish or become. This is you believe in the Son and, and him and the Father complete all the work on the back end of salvation and on the front end, on every end of this whole process, just by you believing. And the sanctifying here, uh, a lot of people you know, get caught up in the concept of Will becoming progressively more holy in every way of life, but sanctifying it's, it's just simply the act of being set apart or the process of being set apart when something is holy it is set apart when something is sanctified it's it's that process of set apartness how that how that functions and so Jesus this is the interesting thing it's almost like his suffering and his his sacrificial death and resurrection and coming into our world and taking on human flesh every element of his atoning work is is what you might call a, a sanctification he sets himself apart in every regard and yet he's one of us so that we can become like he is and so this this all relates to if you go back to the chapter the beginning of the chapter it goes back to genesis god putting everything in subjection to humanity and yet humanity kind of kind of screwed that up and what jesus does is he doesn't bring us to the level that we fell from he actually comes down into our world so that we can rise to the level that he came from being right with the father, which I believe is a, um, just a better mode of existing than what Adam and Eve had, though. I I know that some disagree, but I do believe Jesus, uh, bit scripture just seems to indicate we've been brought to a higher plane, um, than Adam and Eve even fell from. So Christian, Go ahead, buddy. There's that giant giant hand. I love it. Go ahead.
0: Yes, indeed. You, you asked for it, and now you received it. <laughs> um, speaking of asking and receiving, here's a I don't know if this is a crazy out of out ordinary question, but I'm all about extraordinary. Is it possible that Jesus was cited a good example of taking joy in his trials, in his tribulation. Like think about it. Like um what the reason why James talks about that in the in the first chapter verse two to three in regards to how we deal with uh, well our own sufferings and temptations, if not at spat, we're not we not having to deal with uh, being crucified, no. But I my mind wants to think how, even though so, through all that agonizing pain and all of that gruesome and brutal death that Christ endured, is it possible or out of the ordinary that he actually actually was setting an example of taking joy in what of uh, what he had to go through. It's in regards to him actually doing the father's will. Not not mitigating or notifying the fact that it was painful and he was anxious and literally sweating drops of blood, I think. However, I feel like I feel like there's a part of me that he took joy even though he felt the physical and spiritual pain of being separated from God and taking all of you know, the sins of humanity on him. But on the other side, he was taking joy and and knowing that he is actually fulfilling God's plan from the very beginning all the way in from Genesis. So is it possible that he would take a joy in that? And how can we use, like, can we use that in regards to, like, I guess, in our walk with Christ while we are going through our own trials and tribulations that may not be May not be as bad, but in a way that kind of reflects the the glory and the beauty of, I guess, his character, possibly.
1: Yes. Oh, you, I would say you nailed it. Uh, Great yeah, job, Christian nailed it. Joshua's on the
2: same track as I was. He went straight to Hebrews twelve. That's actually exactly what he's going to say, Christian. And remember, this is written to an audience that is kind of exhausted. People are confused. People are you get all over the place. You have a spectrum of people um, who are just essentially, the temptation is it's easier to A, B, and C than to follow Jesus. Um, and the way the author encourages people, not just, you know, whoever is going to be reading this, the way he encourages is by saying, "Yeah, you remember how we fell from the place God intended for humanity after we were crowned with glory and honor to actually rule over creation. Remember how we fell? Yeah, Jesus knew that. He comes into our world instead of you know, um, you know, coming to conquer and destroy. He subjects himself to the point that he dies because that glory and honor we forfeited in the garden." He intends to win it back, and he does it through dying, and he does it through suffering, and he gives himself over to, uh, you might say, achieve what we've lost and win back the crowning and the glory and the honor, all of that through death. And so you're supposed to look at Jesus as not this very distant God that has no idea what we're going through, but a God who is not only familiar, uh, but who has gone through it to an even higher degree than most people will. Um, And he knows our suffering very well. And he intends to bring you into glory through what you'd rather not go through as well. That's a part of the sanctification process. That's a part of life, is that all of this is working together for the good of those who love him. And then look at Jesus, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The word endure means there's there's a burden to be borne that that implies there's some kind of difficulty to to kind of power through it's a it's a difficult thing and he did it and now he's been glorified as our representative not because he lacked it but because we did we did and now we've been brought to glory and so it's it's fitting that we would expect to follow in his footsteps too right you know so um DJ, go ahead and read verse 12 and 13. I'll post it in the chat. It's gonna be Hebrews 2, 12 and 13. Alright, go ahead, buddy.
3: Saying I will tell you tell of you name to my brothers in the midst of your con, of your congregation. I will sing your praise, and again, I will put my trust in him, and again, behold and the children God has given me.
2: Thank you, DJ. In verse 12 and 13, there's three Old Testament quotations. What the author is doing there is he's using those passages to prove the fact that Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers. Because you would read that and go, that's ridiculous. There's no way the King of glory, the one who sustains all things, the one who was before all things, whatever, call me, brethren. And he goes, actually, yeah, let me quote a few passages. I'll tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. So this is uh, a declaration of God's glory and honor and and praise in the midst of those who have also appreciate him, right? That assumes there are more people to praise God alongside, you know, Jesus as the faithful human who endured suffering and still worshiped the Father, all the way through. There there are people who will join him. And then verse 13, I will put my trust in him. Now that seems out of place um, initially. like At face value, it just seems like that doesn't at all relate to the fact that Jesus calls us brethren. It's like that verse is kind of out of place. But I get the next one. Behold, I and the children God has given me. And so this is the Father giving um to the son uh the bride, the church, the people of God, who trust in him, um, like daniel mentioned there 's a um, the father and son are constantly expressing love in the form of of giving and sharing and um participating with each other and that 's what 's going on here <laughs> John chapter six, I believe, is where we see Jesus talk about this um that the father gives and the son receives and then the son gives and the father receives it's, it's a reciprocation and we're supposed to see ourselves in the mix. We're not just standing off in the distance going, Oh, that's, that's pretty cool that you guys love each other so much. They're like, no, like you, you realize you're, you're in this, right? You know, this love we've had for all eternity, but we're inviting you into it to come and share, to come and participate and you and I uh, realizing we we don't belong here we don't deserve to be here we're still invited and and God says come come be a part of this so you know looking at verse 12 and 13 anything stand out to you guys questions
1: um i don't know any realizations I'd love to hear what are you guys are thinking maybe you can answer my, I guess,
2: question, verse 13, how does that fit in? Where he says, again, I will put my trust in him. Now, that sounds like um, Jesus speaking. He's going to trust in the Father. Just how does that relate to sonship, glorification, us becoming brethren? Is that trusting into death? If so, why? why that verse? He's going to be very selective, very intentional about the verses he chooses to quote from the Old Testament.
1: And uh, let me look at what verse he's referencing. Uh, What is it? Hebrews 2.13. But yeah, if you guys have thoughts, jump on while I look this up. Either Exodus or Psalms, Hummel says. Hebrews 2.13. it is huh it says cited from isaiah 8:18 but that is
2: the the second half of verse 13 not the first half so there's no word for word parallel quotation it seems like a conglomeration uh, almost like a paraphrase of the old testament a combination of verses Because it says Psalm 18.2, Isaiah 8.17,
1: Isaiah 12.2. So that just seems to be the way the author's using it, huh? Cool. Either way, the concept is there in the Old Testament. And the author, knowing that, just kind of pulls
2: from that and collects a few verses and gives the overall idea. That whoever this one is who will perfectly, you know, meet the standard of the Father in our place, he's going to trust in God. So maybe what we should meditate on is, huh, does Jesus trusting in the Father relate to us being his brethren or the fact that
1: he's not ashamed to call us brethren. Um, he's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. Part of that involves trusting in the Father. It's really cool when you really just think about it. We are children, children of God. Given to the Son, the Son gives. Do you think that it could have anything to do with like just His? I I uh, am hesitant to go down this rabbit hole, but His foreknowledge of um,
4: those. So it makes me think of um, how he says that no one can come to him except those the Father has given him. And again looking at the purpose of the redemption so that it's like Jesus is passing the torch on to us the The whole, as I have done, you do likewise, mm. so it's just the becoming like him and accepting that um
1: and the knowledge that we that we really would put our faith in him and um and let him live through us and then yeah. of course. You can't have that um apart from
4: him paying for paying for everything about us that does not look like him.
1: <laughs> yeah. Another way of reading it, like like you
2: said, is that uh there's a call on us to follow in his footsteps and trust in the father, you know? Um, and so, you know, one could read verse 13 and go, this is talking about us to trust in Jesus, right? And while there, I think there is a call to do that. Verse 12, the quotation in verse 12, and then the last quotation in verse 13 are actually referring to what Jesus does. So I think in order to be consistent, if he's going to use each verse to accomplish the same thing and emphasize the main point, the same point, it, it would make sense to me That verse 13 would be about what Jesus does, but it's also a call to us we see in the New Testament to trust and the Old Testament to trust, you know, in the provision of God. That's the whole point. He gives provision. We trust in his love. We trust in his grace and 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 who he is to effectively do what he says, just like Jesus. In other words, in the way that Jesus makes us children, we're to see the way we're called to function. So we're not just looking at that going, pretty cool. And I can go and just kind of have this title of child of God, but live how I want. No, Jesus is saying, actually, you're supposed to see what I did for you, not just as the way I accomplish your sonship, but the the, the model of your own life. You're supposed to see that as an example to imitate, you know, um, to trust in God involves sometimes, you know, depending on what god's called each person to even to the point of you know dying for what they know is true and believe in about their father it's this trusting god with our life to the point of death that's easier said than done right but that is the the kind of trust that is appropriate to children of god it's not like god is holding you know holding you hostage to do that. It's just, Hey, this is appropriate. This is reasonable. You know, since you're so secure in your mind and there's, there's a way to live now. And it's look at Jesus, the founder of your salvation. And then chapter 12 will say, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Once again, that reference. So there's always this, he founded it, you know, he finished it, he'll continue it. But Here's your your role as someone who's a part of this family. You know, when someone's in a family, everyone has a role to play. Everyone has a function. And it seems like Jesus sets the, the bar for how every single child of God is supposed to function.
1: So yeah, still, yeah, and I guess... Just, um, sorry. No, go ahead. I, um
4: even though it seems like it's sort of putting the focus back on us, but it's still really what he's doing. It's still the work he's doing. Um, Even what we do is really ultimately just what he did to us. Um, Our work is still his work um, when
1: it's done in his name. If that makes sense, I don't know. Say that last part again so I can make sure I understand Joshua.
4: So even even when we are putting our trust in him, uh huh. Like that's his work. Like like the the only reason we come to God in the first place is because he draws us to him. You know? So it's it's make- Yeah. Exactly. So it's really like having to do with us, but it's what he's doing at the same time. Like, I don't know. It's it's really hard to explain.
2: Sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, God is the initiator of everything in terms of he's made the provision for us to respond the way we can. So while we can uh, say that, you know, I chose to do that, I exercise my free will, it is God who made the conditions, what they were, for us to be able to do that, he made it possible. He gave you breath in your lungs. He gave you cognitive ability. He gave you a world to actually do this in. You know, so while while it is like, hey, God, I did this. There's no credit. Um, as if God's like, whoa, I'm impressed. I never thought. He's like, actually, my, my son made way for that, and you know, it's fantastic that you're partnering with with me and the earth. And I, I'll even reward you. But uh you're right, that he is the source of
1: those things. So it seems like everything we do is always to be a response. It's just Yeah, Hummel mentions
2: that Jesus says the same thing to Pilate and and God will say the same thing to the nations and the kings and the governors and King Nebuchadnezzar. Hey, you only have power and authority because I've allowed that to be. Just know you're in that place because I've sovereignly allowed it to be so. You know, so this is what Paul will talk about in Acts, how God has put people where they are in the world, in the season of human history that they're in, with whatever circumstances they find themselves in, to be able to effectively find God should they seek for him. There, There's no person that is necessarily without, a, um, you know, or with an excuse to, oh, God, and God's going, actually, I made that possible, my son is actually the one who... Uh, Makes your faith amount to what it does, and so that's beautiful, you know. Um, There's a call to lay down one's life in this, but it's it's end is glory, you know. It's it's not oh, I don't I don't know, God. What if I have God's going? If you trust me, with your exaltation, you can humble yourself like
1: my son did. Uh, Daniel, go ahead.
6: Um, yeah, I guess just the concept of actual Sabbath rest is what we're talking about. And it was made for man, not man made for it and understanding how Jesus completes it. And he's at the right hand of the Father. And where you know, it's really when we start looking at what we've got to do. And I think James put a scripture there where he's, uh, that really relates to this is us, that trust, right? Um, it's 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 not anything to itself. We put that aside and we put on His nature. It's everything we received. Um, so therefore, He's completing this work and, and and entering into that Sabbath rest is where the where the sun is now because He's been through completed all this work that we're talking through. Now He's sitting at the right hand. He's brought humanity back into that place. And this is where I guess where you're saying um, that, that you know Adam and Eve were were still yet to re, you know if they had a partaken of the tree of life then they would be where jesus is now in that new creation life and what he's bringing humanity back into so the only reason why he had to go through this stuff is because um one we got to remember god's sovereignty right over all things so anything that's ever exists that comes has happened since creation um he's going to then redeem it all he's that so he has to go into all this stuff and what was meant for evil he turns into good again and that's how he completes everything that he 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 knew no sin became it so he goes that's the perfection of it all for humanity to bring it back into god and seated with him and 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 so it's a work that he's doing in our lives it's a work that he's completing and i'm i'm reminded to think about when you look at jesus the whole time and i think when we're talking about for the joy set before him he endured he endured the cross right because he knew where he's going he knows where he was. He knows where he's going. And we are sojourners now partaking into that experience, passing through to go to that place of, um, of eternal life and redemption of, and cleansing us of all this sin. So when you look at this, I look to when Jesus says, I only see what my father's doing and I only hear what he's doing. He, he never knew where his head was going right, to um, rest each day, but he just knew that he, through his existence in this life, he was looking to the Father, looking to the to giving and sharing of all things that he knew where he came from, which are spiritual and and life and and he, perfection while he was going through this this um, passing through this existence that we have now, he was looking to that, and that's what we need to do um, instead of trying to work it out, enter into this rest that Jesus had through this existence because he just saw his father and he knew what his business was doing and he was focused on that. And so therefore he knew where he was going when he passed through death, which is all this stuff as Jesus came um, as a human and, and to, to receive and redeem, we have now a sympathetic high priest who actually understands everything. So for everything we're going through, we, we, have, we now have the creator Enter into the existence to give us the strength to complete out and work out that sanctification that he 's going to give us in this life now, so that we know where we 're going, and even if it looks like i don 't know where my head 's going to rest today, we have the assurance of that resurrection, a new creation, a new life, that new uh, heavenly body that we see that Jesus possessed for well, humanity is going to be what our assurance of salvation is, and, and I guess that that 's the true rest that while we 're going through the valley of the shadow of death. In this life, we have the confidence that we know where we're going to, because He has come into humanity and passed through that for us. And I guess that's the rest Sabbath, that rest that we brought into, and that's how we can endure. That that was just wanted to bring into that mix.
2: You're right. Sabbath rest is going to be a huge part of this author's encouragement to the the Jewish people and all readers who will hear this it's the Sabbath day of rest. It's going to be a huge part. Uh, As Jesus brings us into that, we're supposed to see this, this suffering of Jesus, his death, his resurrection, his ascension as our way into the ultimate Sabbath rest that God always intended for humanity. And so instead of every other person on the planet that's ever existed, striving and fighting with God and and, uh, almost, you know, fighting From a place of gaining, you have Jesus so secure in his father, so sure of what he's doing do and where he's going that he can that I need to uh, try and watch my own back. My father has mine, trust him with it. So, that's the call on us is to trust God with um, our life enough to just do what he says, just to, to, to very simply, like, take him at his word and to obey his voice. And to know that he has your best interest in mind, his glory is a part of that. And um, you don't need to constantly scheme like Jacob to try and make sure you get yours. God can make sure you get yours if you just take care of his business. Firstly, you know, that's the whole Matthew six thirty three: seek first the kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you.
1: So, got yeah, one more uh, person to share, Kyle. Can now- mm, yes. Go ahead. Yeah. Um okay, so just going back real quick of uh
7: Jesus talking how, uh, talking about um or calling us brothers, but he is um above that. But it also made me think of uh in 1st Peter when he he mentions that he is or Paul mentions that he is the cornerstone and that we're also stones, but he is that ultimate stone that lays the foundation for us Christians and that we trust in him. I know you were talking about the father, but I did think about trusting in Jesus, the cornerstone. Now how he sets, um, the foundation of that the, sanct- the sanctification for a Christian life. Um, and many who don't want to trust in that foundation want to build a, on a different foundation. And so I would just,
1: uh, it just reminded me about how we're part of this temple with Jesus, and what He's saying here. Yeah, we are. We really are. If Jesus saw His life
2: as part of a greater purpose for humanity, then I think it's appropriate that we would also do the same. We'd see ourselves as a part of something so much bigger, as a as you know, a, a way to to benefit the rest of humanity. I want to see my life like that. I am a you know without getting a big head I want to be a gift from God um to humanity that will never ever be on the level of what Jesus has given but but the point is I want to follow in his footsteps and be a gift to people instead of taking Jesus doesn't come to take you have Adam and Eve taking in the garden and that's why we're in this whole mess and Jesus gives he doesn't take he gives and gives and gives And even though people are taking his life, he still gives it. You know, it's this backwards picture, right, of what the world would say is success. And and, um, it's completely opposite of what the world would say is right. God comes to show us that his kingdom is upside down and backwards.
1: So good conversation, guys. We'll pick it up next week. Um, Verse 14. Verse 14,
2: for those of you that remind me every week, I'm going to say it so you remember more than I will. Verse 14, verse 14, does anyone want to pray for us as we um, head out for the evening or morning, afternoon, whatever time it is, wherever you live in the world or in the universe? I'm sorry, my mama does not want to pray. She's not here. Verse 14, thank you, Cindy. You were the person I had in mind to remind me. Oh, man. Anyone want to pray? If not, I'm
1: happy to to do that. Uh, I can do it. All right. Go ahead. Okay. <clears throat> Father, we just come before you to thank you for this time tonight.
7: Uh, thank you for um, just the knowledge that you've gave us. And we just ask that you, you turn it into wisdom for us. And just blessed to our hearts, um all for the glory of you, knowing that anything you give us is for uh, the glorification of you, Father, and we just um want to continue and walk by the spirit, may we just um understand more about who Jesus is, and as we read uh Hebrews, may we just um, just be sanctified and and just give you just full reverence of you and just continue just to um hold you high father, so I just thank you for for uh this group who puts you in in a high place father and uh I just pray that i continue that we just continue to to walk together and and praise jesus and I just thank you for the the beautiful uh message that he's given us through through your word father, so we just pray this in your name jesus
1: amen amen amen. Amen.